0: My name's Olivia. I'm Raven. We are not the default Americans. When
1: we go back in the past for Black history, well, now we got a problem. But for white
0: people, how far you want to go? If you want to piss off any everyday average, non-Black American, Just add black. Including
1: black people is not excluding white people.
0: Every damn
1: time we get rights or acknowledgement, it sparks a violent rage.
0: Especially in white people.
1: I am not less deserving just because I'm a black
0: blind woman. Disability makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It affects the psyche of people with disabilities. Like, did we not contribute? Another
1: way to fight against oppression is to celebrate our successes and our progress.
0: We're not completely our oppression.
1: You can sit there and talk about how you think everybody is equal, but do equality, do equity.
0: As long as they're getting what they need, they don't want things to change.
1: Today we are talking about the Pan-African movement. Yay! I find this interesting for a couple of different reasons. So, one, when we started researching it, I didn't know how far back this went. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people associate Pan-Africanism with Marcus Garvey, and it started way before he ever did anything. Secondly, we'll get into this later, but a lot of times when people talk about Pan-Africanism, as I mentioned in the black video highlights that we've done recently mm-hmm. the contributions of women do not get included in that discussion no. at fucking
0: all until you actually pointed it out it didn't even really occur to me because black women especially get left out of a lot of yes. stuff mm-hmm. but when you were like what about the women i told you i did like a really quick search for like the mothers of pan africanism and i can't really find anything that's why. Uh. And so that's why I went with dudes. But when you pointed that out, I was like, damn, she's right.
1: It's something that jumped out at me when I was researching the founders and the contributors of Pan-Africanism and looking mm-hmm. at the names. And I'm like, none of these dudes? people are women. <laughs> and you know.
0: And you motherfucking know. Black women. At the very the least, done.
1: these men, some of them had women behind them. Like Marcus Garvey.
0: Mm-hmm. I plug the shit out of her because don't nobody, when you think about Marcus Garvey, no one considers, I, okay, I can't say no one. I never considered, and I would imagine a lot of people don't consider any women in his life, Mm-mm. especially his wife. His wife? One of them, right?
1: I didn't research the second wife, mm-hmm. but I do believe both of them were Pan African thinkers and feminists. At the same time, <laughs> There's also some really problematic stuff with Pan-Africanism that
0: we're
1: going to have to unpack, so let's do this.
0: Pan-Africanism is just the belief that all African peoples of the entire African diaspora have a shared History And thus a shared interest in making life better for all of the African peoples, including the continent of Africa and North America, South America, just all over the world, really. Right, because African African people
1: have migrated and were dragged all over the place.
0: Right. I tend to look at it as more of a, a macro view, like inclusive of the African experience around Mm -hmm. the world. The idea is to work toward unity Mm -hmm. and understanding.
1: A strong sentiment in the Pan-African movement was that we should celebrate our African ancestry and our roots. Have pride in it. Have pride in being Black and descendants of African peoples. Claudia Jones Mm -hmm. was a big proponent of keeping our people informed, but also celebrating our cultures as Black people.
0: So Pan-Africanism and Black nationalism spring from the same well, but Black nationalism advocates for self-determination and separation of the Black race in order to reach its full potential and does not really believe in interracial cooperation. The main difference is the self-determination They take more of a harder stance, very much Black first, and we tried it with the colonizers. It didn't work out, so fuck them.
1: Pan-Africanism and Black nationalism overlap very strongly. Many, if not most, of the founders, forefathers, early Pan-African thinkers were Black nationalists because Mm -hmm. they definitely believed, and rightfully so, Mm -hmm. that Black people had to make a place for themselves, right? No one else is going to help us, and we cannot wait for the white people in the government to make a place for us, We can't wait for the white people in the government to protect us and and give us our rights. Mm -hmm. And so we as black people need to take pride in being black and work toward our own economic development. And um, I understand where this comes from. It's something that sounds problematic right now. But if you think about what the fuck was happening at that time. Mm hmm. Of the early Pan-African thinkers, Martin Delaney, Alexander Cremell, they were living at a time where people were still being enslaved, freed people were being captured and thrown Mm -hmm. into slavery, people were being lynched, all of this stuff. Even after slavery was outlawed in some states, you still had people going and capturing free people from a certain state and bringing them to areas where slavery was legal and the government was not going to protect us and it was not going to make sure that we had what we needed to prosper and flourish as a people Mm -hmm. and so that meant we had to do it from ourselves and we can't rely on white people and listen it doesn't mean we could not rely on any white people whatsoever when i say white people always on this podcast not just in this episode we mean white people in general,
0: white people in general, specific ones. OK,
1: yes. We realize that there are always some
0: white people helping yeah. us. We get that. But white people in general. No, especially the ones that were making the rules. Those were the ones that were the most were the people supporting them, too, because they, they the didn't get into suppo-
1: the office by mistake.
0: That's true. <laughs> and, and just the texture of society at that time that they were OK with how black folks were being treated. Yeah. I empathize cuz I'm like you're just over it. You tried the other way. You tried being peaceful. You tried coming to them on their level and trying to, you know, establish, "Hey, I'm human, you're human." Does the human in you see the human in me? They tried all that and it wasn't working. So they're, like, "All right, fuck it. You don't listen to this, then we'll do it this way."
1: For sure. I do want to talk about Marcus Garvey. I decided against covering him in a black beauty highlight. He was important, but he was a mess. <laughs> so as we know, Marcus Garvey co-founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association, or UNIA. And I talked about his first wife, Amy Ashwood, was the other founder of, the full name of this organization was the Universal Negro Improvement Association. and African Communities League, by the way. Never heard that until I researched Amy Ashwood. All right. Her financial contribution got this organization started. That's what we don't learn when we learn about the original you. boss bitch. Yes, the original boss bitch. This organization was dedicated to black pride, economic self sufficiency, and the formation of an independent black nation in Africa. It's got pan Africanist. Ideals in it and Black nationalist ideals in it. Mm -hmm. One of the UNIA's main efforts was to establish Black owned businesses, which there already were. The thing is, as we know throughout history, a lot of them were destroyed. Marcus Garvey's business that he started was called the Black Star Line. And this was a firm that aimed to transfer people, and goods to Africa. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) black leaders in the U.S. had beef with Marcus Garvey. They called him an imposter because he announced in New York, I'm not sure if this was in a speech or something of that nature. I did not research that, but I don't know if he announced that he was the founder of the empire of Africa. Or if he huh? thought the UNIA was. Yeah, he said that. He announced in New York the founding oh. of the Empire of Africa with himself as provisional president. Marcus. So at the very least, he said he was the president of the Empire of Africa.
0: Because that's a thing. But okay.
1: It's just stupid. Like you have a goal to unify African peoples and everybody in the African diaspora and black people all over the world. I understand that's your goal. But for you to say you're the president of the Empire of Africa is something that sounds really stupid, but I feel like this is a symptom of living in this fucking country. Where we Listen. just, we think we're the baddest and the best and we own everything and every, like, we should own it's, everywhere or something. that's out into us. Ooh. That's so anyway. Like colonizer speak. Yeah, so the black leaders here in the United States were like, bro, what the fuck is wrong with you, like... I think that's why they called him an imposter because it's like, yeah, the Black Pride stuff, we're all about that, but you bring it in that colonizer speak. There's some cognitive dissonance there that Marcus Garvey did not spot in his thinking. And it wasn't just him. we going to get into the other Pan Africanist uh, thinkers that did the same. That's okay. Okay, so anyway, in turn, Garvey denounced the NAACP and other Black leaders asserting that they only sought assimilation into white society, which some of those people did.
0: I like, can be argued.
1: No, they did, and that's a whole other episode. Yeah,
0: that is one of the key differences in, like, Pan-Africanist thought of old, like the 1900s and like that, as opposed to Black nationalism, because it was sort of like, how do we appeal to these white people still? How do we make them see us? And... Is that really necessarily assimilation? Well, yeah.
1: You're saying who thought that way? Black nationalists or Pan-Africans? No,
0: Pan-Africanists. I don't think Black nationalists I don't thought that way. I don't think
1: Pan-Africanists wanted to appeal to white people.
0: I kind of think they did, though.
1: Okay, explain.
0: Because I don't want to derail because you're talking about Marcus Garvey. And I'll talk about this when I talk about the Pan-African Congresses. But they kept writing to like the European countries like hey this is what we want and this is what we want you to do for us and of course they kept getting ignored because they didn't really care and it was a lot of a lot of the people in that was like oh well if we just raise our level of intellect then they can't deny it so do you see what i mean so it's like if we do these things then the white people will be more likely to listen to us they'll be more likely to in effect accept us And black nationalists, they weren't for that bullshit. They were like, look, no, we're not doing this. We were about black and black only.
1: Okay, I see your point.
0: So that's what I'm saying. It can be argued that he wasn't wrong in that. And Marcus Garvey wasn't wrong in saying that they were trying to appeal or wanting to assimilate into white society. Maybe that was like, One of the worst things you could say to people, either a black nationalist or a Pan-Africanist, like you just trying to assimilate into white society. Some of
1: them were, obviously. If you want to do that, go ahead. But Mm. don't say that everyone should. That's my issue with some of those black leaders, like making it seem like we all need to appeal to white society. And I think that's some bullshit. I don't agree with that.
0: I I agree.
1: We all need to behave in a certain way for white people to see us as human. Well, that's not going to fucking happen. All white people don't even behave in the same way. And all white people are not going to see us as human. Like, how are you going to set a standard for us that is not even there for white people? Fuck that. (laughs) Marcus Garvey, his Black Star Line business. I want to get back to that. He managed to get 35,000 investors to buy $5 shares of Black Star Line stock. Unfortunately, this business did not work out and the other ventures of the UNIA failed because Marcus Garvey was indicted and convicted of fraud for mismanaging funds raised for the Black Star Line. In 1927, four years after his conviction, President Calvin Coolidge pardoned him, but ordered him deported. I think they sent his ass back to Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Marcus Garvey is considered a hero in the black nationalist community. And I will say it is possible that the charges he was convicted of were false, Um, I didn't look into it, but this was in the 1920s. So it would not be surprising to me if people were just in complete disbelief that this black man got 35,000 investors on board and they were like, no, no. That can't be right. A black man's not going to have the business mind or business drive or whatever to be able to do that. Where are these 35,000 companies mm-hmm. that support black advancement? It wouldn't surprise me if they made up these fucking charges just to destroy another black business.
0: Or even just to discourage,
1: yes. you know,
0: to disrupt. The symbol of like unity and organization, because that's what I was listening to some Pan-Africanists a while ago, and they were saying like, Marcus Garvey did that before Facebook. So what could we do now? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so I think that's one of the reasons why they hold him up in such high esteem, because they were like, he accomplished all that when all of the odds were stacked against him. Mm hmm. And it's not like they were not above disrupting Black advancement, Black progress. No, how many Black leaders have (laughs) they murdered? Exactly.
1: You know, I talk about Claudia Jones in My Black Beauty Highlight on her, how she got deported because, I mean, yes, she was associated with the Communist Party, but her goal was advancement for Black people and women. And they deported her. They didn't want that shit over here. They have done this to us for so long to discourage our people and try to stop the advancement Mm -hmm. of black people. So I just wouldn't be surprised if that shit was made up and marcus garvey actually wasn't mismanaging funds and also he got pardoned by the president so that's what leads me to believe that not that presidents always pardon innocent people but i'm just putting that in the context of the time period that this took place etc
0: or even maybe that was also a ploy right Mm. like here's this black man facing these charges and here's this benevolent white president who pardoned him i just think uh, something
1: is fishy about that so anyway.
0: Well sideways.
1: You want to talk about the Pan-African Congresses?
0: It started out being called the Pan-African Conferences, but somehow turned into Congresses. The Pan-African Congresses was a collective of black people from I'll just say the Americas, African countries and black folks in Europe. So the person who started it, his name was Henry Sylvester Williams. Now he had started an organization that escapes my memory right now in 1897, basically to unify the African peoples in the British colonies. And then three years later, he organized the first Pan-African Congress. It took place in London. Now these Pan-African Congresses, they lasted from 1900 to 1945 but they only met six times, and like three or four of those times were in the 1920s. So it wasn't like this big conglomeration of African diasporic people meeting and having this huge impact. It was really basically to discuss the colonization of Africa and basically how to better the lives of people of the African diaspora all around the world. So, really, they believed that the pen is mightier than the sword. So they wrote a lot of letters. They wrote them to the British monarchy, basically saying, here's what we want. We want you guys to stop colonizing Africa. We want you guys to treat people of African descent better, support education and support equal rights in all of the nations for people of African descent And quite frankly, they just kept saying the same thing on all of these conferences. They just kept saying the same thing, writing letters to the British monarchy, to the U.S. government, to whoever, all white people, basically saying, here's who we are. Here's what we want from you. And this is how you can do it. And none of it was really ever taken seriously. However, it did light a fire in the youth of a lot of African nations. So much so that in 1963, in Africa, there was the Organization of African Unity. Basically, that was like...
1: That was essentially what Henry Williams wanted to do, right?
0: That was...
1: His organization, by the way, was called the African Association.
0: Yeah, that was his dream, essentially. But the Organization of African Unity was an organization of African countries, basically to help bring an end to European colonialism. So it ended up kind of accomplishing that, but still, Africa is very much colonized. I guess
1: I forgot earlier, we didn't say this, but one of the goals of Pan-Africanism was independence for African nations.
0: Oh, yes, I forgot that part.
1: There were a lot of people participating in the politics of African nations who were not from those countries.
0: From those countries. But
1: they wanted to advocate for them abroad to attempt to remove colonial influence. Mm
0: -hmm. There was strife in those conferences because I believe at one point, like, I believe the fourth meeting of the Congress. They put it on hold for World War II. But um, I want to say like in the fourth session of the Congress, there weren't even like people representing the Caribbean or any African nations. I believe that was the one that took place in New York. And the U.S. government and other governments had put restrictions in place for people from other countries like countries in Africa or the Caribbean so they couldn't travel into the U.S. and be part of the Congress so there was some back and forth of hey we're not all represented even though this is supposed to be for all African peoples and here you guys are it's just the Americans or it's just the People from Britain, or you know what I mean so. or just
1: people from Europe and the Americas and yeah from Africa, or people who aren't from island nations being represented. The positive sentiments of pan African ideology that I one hundred percent resonate with are black pride and economic sufficiency. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is the fucking truth that we do have to. Seek and maintain pride in our race and cultures as Black people.
0: Yeah, because it was destroyed for so long. It was destroyed for
1: so long. It's still being destroyed. You still got yes. white people talking about how it's racist to have an organization like Black Lives Matter, and it is harmful to have a Black History Month and all of this stuff. I mean, you got Black people on that you bullshit black too, people on but that bullshit as well. Black pride is very much needed. I mean, people will look for every opportunity to shit talk us rather than uplift us. And I think there will always be a need for that so that we don't always feel othered. And it is tough because we live in countries like this one where they don't teach our history in schools, they don't promote black business, businesses that carry you know large quantities of products, Don't necessarily carry those of black entrepreneurs or black businesses, black companies, not a lot of black banks, all of this stuff.
0: Black neighborhoods. Yes, black neighborhoods are constantly being
1: gentrified or just being left to fall apart.
0: Don't confuse black pride with black supremacy. You should take pride in who you are, not because I am this, then I'm better than or I'm more deserving of than another person no because that's
1: what ugly. pride means to for white pr- for white pride yes. and and men when people talk about straight pride those sorts of people when they have pride and where they come from that is what pride is means when we have pride and being black or being queer they got shit to do with you disabled <laughs> it has absolutely nothing to do with with anybody else being better or worse it mm-hmm. is specifically related to the fact that people i am who i am have worked tirelessly and still do to degrade us mm-hmm. and push us to the margins and push us in the background you suppress our history tear down whatever it is that we try to create
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and remove our sources of prosperity pride is about pushing against that by simply being us and living out loud just living, living out, out loud. loud and being unapologetically ourselves us, being unapologetically yes. black
0: exactly i just wanted to throw that in there because i mm-hmm. think people say in there like well what's wrong if you can have black pride why can't well, no. Because the way y'all think about pride and the way we exhibit pride and feel pride, two totally different. Scenarios.
1: Yeah, because pride in those other communities with white people and hetero people is about arrogance. It's not about about arrogance. Uplifting the community because you can't. You can't uplift it because it was never degraded in the first place. It was never fucking degraded. So the only way you can go up is by stepping on everybody else and talking about how they are trash.
0: If your group was the default normal you don't know what it's like to be you can't relate and so you don't have the right honestly fuck it you don't have no, the right to and stay. fuck your
1: persecution complex also nah,
0: fuck out of here with all that
1: talking about other people wanting to uplift themselves is somehow threatening you no that uh-huh. is some nonsense
0: they'd be confused
1: I also want to talk about the controversial ideology and criticisms of the Pan-African movement. People took it to a whole extreme that is disappointing, honestly.
0: Girl, can we just say all of this shit is some call a nigga bullshit. All of this.
1: It is. So first, I want to talk about the separatism and the anti-integration sentiments. That's Black nationalist, but... As we already said, a lot of the early Pan-African thinkers were Black nationalists. So, uh-huh. um, again, I don't think that's entirely erroneous. But the flaw with having sentiments regarding anti-integration and separatism is this. Unfortunately, that will give rise to supremacist ideas, which there are yeah. Black supremacists. Yeah, But also, it's very flawed thinking. Because here's the thing. There's already been a time where black people were separated from white people. Mm-hmm. And then white people came through with their uh, violence and evils and wanted to and did take control of African countries, black towns, whatever the case is.
0: Right. And not
1: only that, but let's say you do manage independence from white colonialism. Please do not pretend... Like African nations and African tribes, and and just tribes anywhere, not just in Africa, have been fighting wars and enslaving each other and subjugating each other outside of any contact with white people, right?
0: Right. It wasn't a thing that just started when the white folks came, because we're people at the core of it. Also, too, I think there's a middle ground there, right? You can want to live in a black neighborhood, right? yes. But you can't, especially it depends on what country you live in. I mean, nowadays, especially, but like you can't not interact with people who are not of your own ethnicity, race, whatever terminology you want to use, especially in, say, a country like the U.S. That's just not possible. You can surround yourself, go to live in a black neighborhood where a lot of people go and want it to be a nice neighborhood or whatever. Right. You can go to a black church, you can go to a black school, but you can't be totally separate. It's just not a thing in a multicultural country. And pretty much every country, probably save North Korea, is multicultural at this point.
1: I do recognize the motivation to keep your life activities and your lifestyle as black as possible. So I do understand, you know, wanting to live in a black neighborhood, buying black only or buying black most of the time Mm -hmm. and putting resources and efforts behind black politicians and all of those things. And then also attending events or working in places that are predominantly black. But I don't Understand taking it to an extreme where it's like you should not want to assimilate at all into white society or you should not want to have dealings with white people. To say that is wrong for other black people to do so is y'all trying to control black
0: people. Trying to control black people. It didn't work the first time when it was done to you.
1: Yes. You're drifting backward in your progress that you're attempting to make.
0: You are becoming the exact thing that you claim to be fighting against. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's happening in situations. Take America right now, right? It's being overrun by Christian and Christian theocracy, but they don't understand that they're doing the thing that they claim is the most abhorrent to them, taking freedoms and being becoming the people that they say they don't want to be. But they're slowly doing it by imposing their belief system and stuff. So it's a toxic thought process.
1: Yeah. And it becomes a vicious circle also. It really
0: does. Mm. And another thing that really pissed me off, and I told you about it, is when um, I was watching a Pan-Africanist conference on YouTube. Well, not a conference, but like a gathering, I guess. They were talking about how they didn't believe in interracial relationships. I have a problem with that. You don't tell people who they can and can't be with just because a person is black does not necessarily mean that those two people or however many people's in a relationship does not mean that those people are best suited for each other. Right. We can have cultural similarities and still not be right for one another. So for you to say that a person cannot be, I think that was what they were saying. If I recall correctly, they were saying like, you can't call yourself a pan Africanist. If you are dating somebody or married to somebody who's not black. And I was like, you don't get to make that determination. And that turned me all the way off.
1: To me, that smacks of the fearfulness of black erasure, which
0: Mm -hmm. y'all. The great
1: replacement theory. It is the great replacement theory, but we're doing it in black. I just cannot believe. I'm like, (laughs) y'all do not understand. That's my issue is that they are swinging over and pulling shit from white supremacists, and they the same don't thing you even say see you it. hate. Y'all, it's part of that anti integration sentiment mm-hmm. where your whole family got to be black. You got to go to black church, live in black hoods, start black businesses. I am all about uplifting black people.
0: Yeah. But when
1: you do it so much that you start to get into supremacist bullshit, I have yeah, you to disconnect. Lose me. And then this whole drive to immigrate to Africa or go back to Africa to work with the native peoples there or establish a black nation, the belief that the Pan African thinkers Alexander Cremell and Edward Blyden, who were from oh God, I want to say eighteen hundreds.
0: Yes. The belief
1: that they had (laughs) that Africans in the New World should return to the homeland civilize the natives and convert them to Christianity is incredibly harmful. Call a nigga bullshit. Call a
0: nigga bullshit. Whoa. Oh my God. Have you forgotten
1: that Christianity? So first of all, the history of Christianity here in the United States, specifically how it was weaponized against Africans when they were brought over here and then African-Americans as they descended from those peoples is interesting to me because there was a segment of enslavers who first didn't teach Christianity to black people because mm-hmm. they thought, you know, we're outsiders. They would keep us out of their religion because, you know, we're not people. And a lot of Africans, if not all of them, practiced religions that were not Christianity. Right outside of colonial contact. Mm -hmm. But also, it gets tricky when they started teaching Christianity to enslaved people, because they started doing it in order to minimize the desire for freedom, to minimize rebellions, right? This episode is... Being published right before our liberation series, and we are talking about rebellions in that series. And it's very interesting to learn that after these rebellions in different areas of the Americas, the legislative body decided to start schools for slaves to teach them Christian doctrine. (laughs) And let's not forget that they did this to the Native Americans, too, the residential schools and stuff. you got to teach them Christianity, too, to make them okay with suffering, right? Mm -hmm. Because a big part of Christianity's doctrine is the suffering you go through is worth it here because you get the golden ticket. You get the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow in the Mm -hmm. afterlife. And so it's just so backwards, then, that these black dudes decided, okay, we need to take Christianity back to Africa, like these white people were doing and still do. And black people do it too now, obviously. But mm-hmm.
0: we need to take it back to the natives there and civilize them. Civilize them. And then to create an independent black nation like there weren't independent black, black nations. nations before your black ass found out about Africa. I get it. All right. There's mm-hmm. so much about Africa that people don't know and that has mm-hmm. been destroyed by colonialism. Right. Right. Yes. But the audacity mm-hmm. for you to think that I'm going to go back over there. Man, yeah. I have a problem with back because I feel like you can't go back to a place you've never been. But that's just me. Yes. But agreed. I'm going to go back there and I'm going to make a black empire, an independent empire on a continent full of black people like it's never been done before. Get over your fucking self. You sound white.
1: Yes, you do. And I mean, one of the people who got taught a lesson in trying to do this bullshit was Alexander Cremel. Yes. Because his is. ass had to get the fuck up out of Liberia. It ran his ass up out. Because. <laughs> <laughs> there were people in positions of authority there who were like, okay, well, we got to get rid of him. And they weren't trying to deport his ass. They were trying to kill him.
0: They were trying to take him off the census, okay?
1: They said, no, we don't want you just gone. We want to make sure you can't come back. <laughs> so, and then he was like, oh, crap. Goodbye. Like, you went you went back to the very place you fled uh-huh. because you brought that bullshit ideology there.
0: I think he was about to go save some people. Mm! Like you the one needs
1: saving and you. Yeah, when I read about when I read about Alexander Corral, I was like, sir, stay your ass in the United States with that ideology.
0: It's colonialist thinking that I have to go and tame these wild beasts because they don't know any better. I'm going to bring civilization because they don't know any better. And it's okay that I do it because I'm Black. And they'll recognize the Black and me and we'll all, you know, they'll follow my rule. Kind of like Marcus Garvey's... What did he say? The the president of Africa? he was the president
1: of the Empire of Africa. That's some extra ignorant (laughs) bullshit. That's a whole continent and you...
0: If these motherfuckers didn't have shit else, they had audacity. That's for damn sure.
1: The fact that they just thought... The the African peoples and nations that were there would just be down with that bullshit. Uh Equality does not mean that you get to come over here and change the way we do everything because the way you do stuff is better. It's so colonialist. It just blows my mind that these Pan-African thinkers did not see it. They just didn't 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 sit there and parse that out.
0: It was them doing it. So it's like at the core... You didn't want what you claimed to want. Mm -mm. You wanted to be in the position that the colonial powers were in over people that resembled you. Yes. You just wanted to take their place. I'm sure there are some that really didn't, but I can't even say that because this was a a very prevalent belief. Like, okay, we're going to go over there. We're going to make things better because it takes us to do that over there. Because they clearly, if they could have done it, they'd have done it themselves. Never mind, like I said, there were empires in Africa, all over Africa, for millennia prior to your fucking existence. But because you didn't know about it, you're like, oh, well, now they would much rather be indebted to Black people than to white people. So I'm just going to go over there and essentially do what the white people are already doing. But like you said, do it in Black.
1: My last beef with the Pan-African movement is really the way it's discussed. I brought up earlier how the contributions of women are glossed over.
0: Yeah, or not mentioned at all.
1: Yeah, in present-day discussions about Pan-Africanism, I mean, that is just often the case. There's a lot of people's contributions who get glossed over, right? Like I said, a lot of people think Pan-African Marcus Garvey, and no, no. Because let me tell you something, the women in this movement, I'm tempted to argue, they did more work than a lot of these men. And also, I think the women did it right. If you understand Pan-Africanism as unifying Mm -hmm. African peoples and people of African descent all over the world, I'm not going to say there weren't women who didn't embrace the separatist ideology. But a lot of these women who got involved truly wanted to unify different peoples and they promoted political involvement where you are at. The two ladies I covered, Claudia Jones and Amy Ashwood, they promoted for women in general and black people to get involved where you are at in the politics and represent. The Black community and advocate for our interests in that way. Mm -hmm. Also, these women helped take care of their communities. Amy Ashwood, if you didn't listen to that episode on her, helped start the Black Cross Nurses Arm, which was essentially the women's division of the UNIA. Mm -hmm. And they provided health care to Black people, they created health manuals. I think she was the one, too, who promoted teaching sex education. So it was not just about, okay, y'all, we need to get up out of where we're at and go all back to Africa. Or it wasn't just about celebrating our African heritage or our heritage in general, which is important. But they were talking about taking care of our people. And a lot of these women, because they weren't focused on separatist ideology, fought for equal rights.
0: I wonder, not to make any excuses because there is no excuse for not giving these women the credit they are due. But we are conditioned in many cultures to believe that women's jobs or the job of women rather is to take care of the whole. And it is Very common for men to be very single-minded and not necessarily, I want to say single-minded, they're not conditioned to think about community and the way women are. I agree. And I think that has a lot to do with Mm -hmm. it. I'm not saying it's okay. And I don't think it's a gender thing. All women think about family and and men don't know. I mean, we we
1: understand there are some inclusive men and there are some selfish women. We got it. We get it.
0: But by and large, we are conditioned as girls, this is what girls do, boys, this is what boys do, blah, blah, blah. So I wonder if that had an impact as to why they approached it from the standpoint that they did versus men who are not necessarily expected to think of those things.
1: Yeah, I've had this conversation with other people because it is interesting to me. I have said it before, Black feminists are the people who... Did and still do inclusivity the best. And the I more agree. I learned doing this podcast is really confirming that belief for me. <laughs> it's not to say too that the contributions of people who are not black feminists or not black women don't count for shit, mm. but it is just flooring to me how our contributions get excluded and overlooked. And we do inclusivity the best when we set out to do it. I agree. I think part of it too is. In being socialized, conditioned to be the caretakers of our communities, we are more aware of the issues outside of our own and outside of ourselves. And maybe we're better able to see how the issues that other communities have are more similar to ours than we think. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is with Claudia Jones and Amy Ashwood and, of course, in their advocacy for women, they were also advocating for white women because they're still women. Cannot advocate for all women and just focus on black women.
0: Can't sell it to the white women, but okay.
1: No, you can't. I know that's true because white women do it. Oh, and they do it so effortlessly. You're right. But maybe that's why they don't get included in that discussion, because as black women often do, they're out here fighting for everybody, not just themselves and not just their beliefs. And I do think that caretaker role gives you broader perspective on mm-hmm. the issues that impact lots of different peoples. And if you advocate that African peoples and people of African descent all have a common interest It's wild the way the dudes did it or the dudes that we uh, hold up as leaders in the movement. How can you get behind this movement that says everybody's got a common interest and then you are out there promoting your own interest? (laughs) Sir. Uh, I just wonder, you know, Amy Ashwood was Marcus Garvey's first wife. They had a very short uh, marriage. It was like a couple years or something. They were they were together longer outside of marriage than they were inside of marriage. Mm. I just wonder if this was part of the problem that the goals that Marcus Garvey had were not as Pan-African as they were initially, maybe when he met Amy Ashwood, especially since they met each other in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both Jamaican born and then they ended up here in this country and this country might have fucked them up.
0: I believe it.
1: The United States messed them
0: up. She probably tried to tell himself about himself, but he probably wasn't listening. hmm.
1: These women in the Pan-African movement, too, they were able to take their advocacy abroad mm-hmm. and advocate for equality for the people there without wanting to change necessarily their political system. Right. Because. The people there can get involved you can motivate them to get involved in politics and then let them dictate and contribute them. to the legislation and yeah. government there like you don't need to take your ideas about the way a country or a nation or a town should be ran to them and and
0: man these women they just did it so effortlessly like the, the assignment and these men They just were banking off. My idea is the best idea and I know best for you.
1: Mm -hmm. I do think both Amy Ashwood and Claudia Jones and and many other women, not just them. I just keep Mm -hmm. bringing them up because those are the two ladies I highlighted. I highlighted them for a very specific reason. They were both active through journalism and found it very important to keep black people informed and recognize that part of uplifting ourselves is making people aware Awareness of the issues that affect our different communities, but also aware through celebration. Mm -hmm. Claudia Jones helped organize festivals to celebrate Caribbean culture and Caribbean peoples. I think that's another piece that... (laughs) The men in this movement did not. uh, They didn't put work into that celebrating our heritage piece. And obviously, listen, I've talked about Milana Karanga and there's other guys who have been active Pan-African thinkers that promoted celebrating our heritage, but I do think still the guys always managed to smuggle in some supremacist ideology or elitist ideology. Even Milana Karenga did it. We can't even get into him. Mm -hmm. But they always do it.
0: Oh, my. They always do. Oh. Without fail. And it's like you would think having experienced it for yourself that you would be more aware. no. And you would not try to impose that on others. But without fail, they did it. And a lot of them did it. And it's still being done. And it's wild.
1: A lot of people in the Black nationalist movement now are against Black feminism. Sounds familiar. And that's problematic. And this is why women had to do shit like create entirely separate organizations. Mm -hmm. Because the other ones were already poisoned. With elitist ideology, you realize when you've got an organization of black feminists for black feminists, Mm -hmm. that that's as inclusive as you're going to get.
0: Cannot agree more.
1: This is Intersectional Insights. If you like our content, leave us a rating or review to help the podcast. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions, you can email us, intersectionalinsights at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening.